As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! 100 years from now, people will look back through the NFL history books and see that the Jets beat the Giants 13-10 to in overtime, and that's all that will matter. The Jets are 4-3. and They're a game and a half out of first place in the AFC East. Those are the facts. How they got there is a little less impressive. We're going to look back on one of the ugliest games in the modern history of the NFL, plus a check-in on the injuries, Look ahead to tomorrow's trade deadline. Lots to get to. I'm Tim McMaster, along with Zach Rosenblatt, our Jets reporter at The Athletic. Thanks for checking out the Can't Wait podcast. We are happy to have you here live. Or if you're checking out the audio version, please subscribe. Give us a great review wherever you check us out. Uh, Zach, the Giants lining up for that field goal in the final minute, ahead by three, seemingly going to put it out by six would kick off the Jets would have to go the length of the field it really seemed like the Jets were cooked in fact there were members of the New York media who who officially called it they said the game was over once I'm not I'm not gonna you know throw anybody on the bus or anything but um <laughs> if you're checking us out on YouTube I'd have some Connor Hughes tweets out there Connor <laughs> and he, he the good old Connor Connor reverse jinx he jumped fails. right into this after the fact and and owned up to it to a degree, but uh, but he gave Brian Dable immense credit for getting the Giants back on track at three and five, and and then talked about how the Jets managed to lose a game in which they only allowed negative eight yards. That actually became negative nine yards in overtime. Uh, yeah. So so there you go, <clears throat> your predecessor Zach Hunter Hughes. <laughs> oh man, that's why you, you never declare a game is over b- before like. Like Yogi Berra said something about that long ago. Yeah. Well, especially like there was a chance for the field goal to miss and, uh, and you know, improbable, but there was time for them to go up the field. So like if, if they made the field goal, maybe you can even declare it, but even then that's a little, like there's certain scenarios where it like makes sense to declare it dead, but um, that probably was not it. But, you know, we all have tweets like that that come back to bite us Um, not to defend Connor, but Connor does have a, Remarkable ability to reverse jinx pretty much anything. Um, there's a this is going into our personal lives, but he he has a thing where among friends where he uh, 
he's he's literally jinxed relationships like he's uh he's <laughs> he's he's told i won't name who but he he's told like a friend that he liked a girl that he was he was dating at the time and then it turned out they dated like they broke up like a few days later and so he didn't tell me what he thought about samantha because he didn't want to jinx our relationship oh that's good of him <laughs> that is good so he's self-aware of it at least <laughs> He, I will say that about Connor. He is self-aware uh, yeah. for all the, everything about it. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's, I guess we start with the final 24 seconds, right? There's, there's nowhere, no place start better again. start. And it starts with the field goal attempt. And like the thing about breaking this game down is I feel like everywhere we're going to talk about where this game went right for the jets, I guess, is where the giants did things that historically we would expect the jets to do. Like not going for it on fourth and one with 24 seconds left deep in territory where you literally need one yard to end the game and instead leaning on your field goal kicker who's already missed one kick on the day. And you know if he misses again, the field position changes a little bit. I mean, that was we'll start there. That was the first bad decision. And then for for 24 seconds, Zach Wilson was brilliant. Yeah, totally. You know what? Like the devil's advocate of that decision is that the Jets offense hadn't really moved up the field at all. And, you know, they would have had would have had to score a touchdown if Graham Gano, who the Giants are paying a lot of money to be good. Like, he's, I think he's the highest. <laughs> not, good yesterday. not good yesterday. Not good yesterday. But yeah, I, I agree. I absolutely would have gone for it. Um, yeah, it was, it was like this one fe- felt even more improbable than that Browns game to a degree just because of like how bad everything had been up to that point. Um, I mean, the fact and how the, little time there was, right? Yeah. How little time there was just knowing what I actually feel like what happened in the Broncos game wound up helping them like where they didn't uh, spike the ball in time because I'm sure they've been, they said they've been practicing it a lot. You know, it was doubly impressive because they had a guy who had never played center in the NFL before and had just joined the team like two weeks before. By the way, they had way more ground to run and cover and get under and spike it in less time than they did earlier this season when they screwed it up before halftime, right? Like, yeah, it was a much more difficult situation. There was no no urgency the last time was the issue. Right. I thought that was, to be honest, like, I give them a ton of credit. There was not a lot of time to run 20. It was a 29-yard pass. So to run Roman, I think everybody in the press box, and I'm sure everybody at home was like, he, they're not going to spike it again. They're not going to get it in time. They're not yeah, oh, I didn't think there was any chance. And Alan Lazard actually explained today, like, the way the route was, it was spo- he was supposed to, like, basically set a pick for Malik Taylor um, to go to the sideline, and then it would be, like, a sideline throw. I mean, Zach got out of the pocket. Alan Lazard saw some open field, so he went to it. Zach hit him. Um, and then Alan was like, he had to figure out if he had a chance to, like, go and score or if he needed to get down, and then he did. Um, there's a part of this that I didn't even notice, like watching in the moment or the replays, but I guess the, the giants didn't really do a good job of like getting in the way, like of like, you know, delaying, yeah, like, covering the ball and being annoying there to like, try and like help, like move bodies off. And then there weren't any bodies to move off. Like the giants, they're a very undisciplined team generally, especially on offense. And I think you kind of saw that, uh, right there, especially, but, um, you know, that would have been a brutal loss. As Robert Sala said, they don't at, he, he has a way with words a lot of times. Uh, they don't ask why. Uh, they don't ask how. They ask how many, like, wins. So, like, at the end of the season, you know, it counts as a win. So, they're four and three. A lot of concerns I think you can have coming out of this game. But the, the way they pulled off that 24 seconds and, you know, once they did that and you knew that the Giants were scared to throw the ball, 
which you know, w- without saying it out loud, they the way they played was clear. They were scared in a way that even the Jets with Zach Wilson have not been as like the Jets, even when they're scared of Zach Wilson to throw the ball, which I think to a degree they still are, they're still like calling passing plays. <laughs> the, the Giants were just like straight up not doing it. Um, I'm trying to figure out how Tommy DeVito is in the NFL. No, I mean, I hate to say that about a, a professional. Yeah, you're a Syracuse athlete, guy, so you know I'm a, more about him. Yeah. I'm a Syracuse guy, and he was a big time recruit for Dino Babers. Like, oh, here comes a mm. top 10, you know, four star quarterback. Uh, and he couldn't he couldn't get on the field. And they ended up going yeah. to the portal to replace him, basically. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more like it's fine if you have a guy like that on the maybe you believe in the ability to develop him. But to, for that to be your only option in a week where you knew Daniel Jones wasn't playing and you knew Tyra Taylor was going to be playing behind that offensive line. And there's all this drama about how Daniel Jones was cleared on like Sunday, I believe um, they could have had him as questionable instead of out. But anyway, they, they didn't want to play Daniel Jones because he was going against the Jets defense. Like why, why wouldn't you have signed like Matt Barkley to the practice squad? Like why not sign somebody like as a better emergency option than Tommy DeVito? Like that lost them the game. If they had a quarterback who could complete a pass, the Jets do not win. Like that's yeah. an absolute fact. Like the Giants were handing the ball. They were pretty much announcing Saquon Barkley was getting the ball. He was still doing relatively well. I think if you look at the final box score, he, he did have over 100 yards, but it was on like 36 carries. So I think he averaged less than four yards a carry. Ultimately, like the Jets should – the Jets won that game because largely because of how bad the Giants are. I, I think if that's almost any other team, I don't know that they pulled that off. But, you know, maybe I shouldn't say that because the Jet, the way the Jets play, everybody comes either up or down to the Jets level. Like no matter what direction it is, somehow at the end of the game, it's a one possession game at the end. The Jets could have been down 14 to zero or they could have been up 14 to zero. There's something the endearing the game, about that. Yeah. It, every week we see this. It's the same ugly football. They haven't had a pretty football game yet. Uh, I think we we called for this last year when they were winning. We're like, it'd be nice to have like a blowout, and they had the Bears blowout, and that was the last time they won. But um, they that this is their style of football. It's ugly. They have a quarterback who you know we'll get into it. I, you know, there's some people who have maybe gone over the top positive at the end of Zach's game. I think there's been some over the top negative. I I think this is still the same quarterback that we've seen all year, and we, we'll get into more of that, and I'll explain what I mean, but. Yeah, ultimately, the Jets won this game. If they had lost that game, it would have been absolute, absolutely brutal for all the context, obviously, with the negative passing yards and still losing. But also because this is supposed to be an easy stretch, and this is the worst team on that easy stretch. And if you lose to the Giants, then I don't think you could call any team easily like an easy win. And I think now you can still say, I don't know you can say any team is an easy win, because as you look at the Chargers – they have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and Kelly Mack and Joey Bosa. You look at the Raiders, they got Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby. Like these are these are teams with like some elite talent. So it's not like they're much work. These teams might be better than the Giants. So anyway, my point being the Jets eked it out. Ultimately, all that matters is that you win, especially in for this organization that has had a hard time getting wins at all. Uh, I don't know how long it's sustainable to have the worst third down offense in the NFL by a wide margin. Like it's not even close. They, I think they're converting like 22% of the third downs. And I think the second to last team is the Browns, uh, which, and they're at like 30 something percent, like that 10 percentage points in a stat like that is pretty wild. So whatever they're doing, it, it is an absolute disaster. Like if you don't go against a team that goes two for 15 on third down, you probably don't win. And we'll say that a lot. But they did ultimately win. This defense is good. The special teams is great. I think that shouldn't be overlooked. This is a 
elite special teams unit. Like Brand Boyer is he's a godsend to this team. And there's a good reason why he's been around as long as he has here. But um, I mean, Morstead was incredible. Yeah. I, I, and I, I mean, I, I hope that he like iced the leg today and yeah, you know, yeah. it's getting off of Man, it. Is there a more popular punter in, in a league than him right now? Like the Jets fans are obsessed with them. I probably have stoked the flames a little bit because I tweeted a, uh, his PFF grade, which wasn't very good. And, and, uh, <laughs> and fans are, are rightfully mad, but I, I've been on the Thomas Morstead is the best player in the league trained since the beginning of the year. So, you guys need to catch up with me. He was he was tremendous. It was four, 11 punts. So thir- 13 for the Giants. 11 punts, four of them inside the 20, but two of them inside the five. And I think a third, which was just outside the five. So yeah, basically I, I, three between basically like the three yeah. and seven yard line. Um, yeah, he was he was Amazing. incredible. I mean, of course, I mean, he, third line is just dependable. But the thing is, he's like, he's been game changing for them all season. Like there's been, Remember the, the safeties they got this season were because he pinned the offense yeah. by the end zone. Like he's been absolutely clutch. Some Dan Bodder said maybe he can play uh, right guard in the chat. Um, well, and if they don't have the too, awful, as a punter, he's jacked. By the way, so. if they don't have the you know late in the fourth quarter, there he pins them deep, and they're punting from their end zone. And the Jets have, I mean, they had two. They had a lot of bad penalties, but the two that really stand out is the offsides on a punt. Which yeah, over the ball, not just oh, offsides yeah. on a punt, but the ball is literally in front of you. Uh, and then the Jermaine uh, Johnson roughing the passer when it was or roughing when it was just yeah, yeah. The player was stopped; he was going nowhere, and that extended a drive that ended up being the Giants' lone touchdown. I mean, it, the Jets were they were flawed in this game, but but a, a win's a win, like you mentioned. Um, before we get to the the real penalty, well, I'm kind of in the penalties. Do you want? Let's do so. That was that. Let's do Zach. Let's jump into Zach a little bit. About, okay. How's that? Then we'll go into the uh, the injuries. And I, I, will, I just want to say one more thing about Morstead, real quick, before yeah. we go forward. An underrated sure. thing that he did that I didn't notice till today because there was a clip of it. He it was like a bat snap from Thomas Hennessy on, I think it was the game winning field goal. Can't remember, but he like adjusted it in time. He's like been a really good holder, too. Laces out. Yeah. So he'd, uh, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. And one more special teams that Will McDonald. I, I tweeted this video last night. That was awesome. He jumped over the center. I, I don't know if he he didn't like tip it or block it or anything, but I, I think he disrupted it. Some people have disputed me on that, but I the way he jumped over the center and used his long arms, which is all they hyped up when they drafted him to disrupt the Graham Gano miss. Like I I definitely think that made an impact, and that was a pretty important moment. So yeah, you you never know for sure, but I feel like the way he came over the middle. Yeah. It, you know, Gano, I don't know where, where his eyes are exactly, but it, I think it had some kind of impact. And ridiculously, like if, if the ball's heading in a certain trajectory, he would actually block that thing from, from yeah. the middle, which is... I mean, it was the Miles Garrett type. Uh, Miles Garrett yeah. had that kind of play. It was looked more freakish with Miles Garrett. It looked more... I, I was, it's funny because everybody now knows Will McDonald's background, so everybody was referencing how he used to jump over cars, and so it was like he was jumping right. over a car. It was a little shorter than a car, so... <laughs> so it was easy. Um yeah, Dan says McDonald would have blocked it if the kick was down the middle. It was that was a bad shank uh, on the kick as he hooked it wide. All right, looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's get into Zach a little bit. And this is those two throws in the 24 seconds, right? Like just great throws. Um, the second one on the move, like outside the pocket, he hit Lazard in stride going back the other direction. Um, the one along the sideline. I mean, he just makes these throws and you're like, okay. But then for 59 minutes and thir- 59 minutes and, and 36 seconds, it's scrambling. It's running backwards. It's bouncing the ball. I mean, he, he held on to the ball. Which he, he held on to the yeah. ball in fourth and long late in the fourth oh, quarter. Like that was, that was exactly. when Connor, I think declared the game over. Um, yeah. Well, you have to get rid of the ball. I think that's the one thing you have down. to do. You're just going to get rid of the ball. And he's not the first throw quarterback to ever do that. That always blows my mind. Like, Taking a sack is the number one. Like getting interception is better than taking a sack on a play like that. Like you got to throw it. Like no matter what, yeah, I don't at least care if you think nobody's open. Like, yeah, yeah throw it deep, and then it's a punt, yeah. right? Like even though oh, yeah. you can't punt in that situation, it's like at least the field yeah. position um, game. Yeah, and then one thing that he hadn't been doing this year, and and I feel like we've been as positive for Zach as possible this season as far as yeah. like okay he's he's definitely shown signs he's he's saying the right things he's showing glimpses like there's progress here but the one thing that he hadn't really done this year that we saw all of last year right was the the easy ones like missing the easy ones and they had the short third down where he rolled out and had Brees wide open with for easily the first down and then who knows what Brees does in open field and yeah. he just bounces it to him and brutal I mean, it's a rainy day, but it's just, you can't have that. Yeah. It, you know, I, I was just thinking about it because uh, Ryan Hamilton uh, wrote in our chat, he turns into Joe Montana on the two minute drill after being horrible for 98% of the game. Um, <laughs> like, it just made me, it makes me think of like the Tim Tebow, T- Tebow mania era where he would like be bad for most of the game and then he would have this miraculous comeback at the end and lead them back. Um, you know, I, that's the thing. Like, Zach, to his credit, even before, before he like fell apart last year, like if you remember that Steelers game, which the the Jets hyped up like it was the best performance ever. Like he was bad in the beginning of that game, and in the fourth quarter, he led them back to beat the Steelers in Week Four. That was his first start. Everybody was optimistic. He was all confident, um, and he's kind of like had that all season this year. Outside of the Patriots game, like he has an ability to move on from his mistakes, which is progress certainly. Um, and I do have, and yeah, this is the the chat comment you just put up there is about um, how they should play more up tempo go no huddle like they're not I don't feel like he like I, I I get that he's been bad and a lot of times the the play is called and it's the right play to be called and he doesn't execute it but I also don't get a lot of the play calling I don't get why they're not moving faster when that's clearly when he's at his best I don't know they're not doing play action RPOs getting him out of the pocket um getting rid of the getting the ball out of his hands quickly play you know, action on first there's down a few, throwing there's on a few, first down right there's a few different third and shorts where they where they uh, threw it when you, I don't know. I know the running game wasn't go- going great in the offensive line 
was struggling, but I don't know on third and one or third and two going with empty shotgun is not really the move I would have done. Like at least let the defense think you're going to run it or something. Like, and this team is clearly not confident enough to do the tush push, which I get, but it's a su- successful play. And they don't really do QB sneaks at all either. Maybe they just don't trust Zach on those. I don't know, but the third down offense is just ghastly. And a lot of that is Zach Wilson, but Nathaniel Hackett deserves some criticism there too. And it's, you know, in some plays I get it. Garrett Wilson maybe is the only receiver that's open or whatever it is, or the receiver makes a mistake or there's a penalty. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I think if they can just manifest whatever Zach does at the end of games to happen earlier in the game, then this could be a very good team. But it, we're halfway through the season and it hasn't happened yet. Like, I don't know. Uh, they came out of the bye. The offense looked the exact same as it did before the bye. Um, I get that there were conditions and the Giants defense is unique in the way that it blitzes and pressures and all that stuff. And they were playing with Xavier Newman at center and Billy Turner at right guard and, and uh, you know, all the other, all the other crap that was going on, but they need to figure out a better way to put Zach in position to succeed. Cause right now the plan that they have is just not working. So um, I don't know what the solution is. I, I, I do think getting a little more creative and throwing a little, maybe some trick plays or whatever it is like they're, it's just a very bland offense that they're calling right now. Like it's so boring and conservative and I get it. And it worked. It clearly it's worked to the point where they're four and three, they have a winning record. They're going to play like this every week. Me saying this is not going to change anything. It's, it's going to be week nine. Like they're not going to all of a sudden change how they operate. I wish they would play more like they did in that chiefs game though, because that, that was the game where they were getting him out of the pocket and they were having a little more fun. They were being more aggressive and they just haven't done that since then or before that. So I don't know how they tap into that, but th- that's the game that you go back to because that was the best game Zach's ever played. And I wonder if the reason for that, right, you go into this Giants game and you know, okay, this is going to be a low-scoring game. The Giants aren't going to score many points. Yeah. We just need to to kind of like manage it and see what happens. And, and that's going to be true of a lot of games with this team because of this defense. But I think like with the Chiefs game, you're thinking, even with our really good defense, this is Patrick Mahomes, this is the Chiefs, yeah. like we need to score some points. And so they went out and actually tried to score some points, whereas the, the it seemed like the offense yesterday, right, was, all right, if if we can somehow get Brees Hall to bust two 50-yard touchdowns, <laughs> we're going to win this game. And he did bust one. Yep. Uh, and that you know he but he only had 17 yards on 12 carries because they this this Giants defense is pretty good and the Jets offensive line obviously was decimated so they weren't going to run the ball um, so that that seems to be the theory is like we manage it and hopefully we get lucky with a couple of big scores at some point and we or we get a turnover and turn it into a touchdown yeah. but you're right that Chiefs game they actually like I think the mental Going into the game, they were mentally thinking, like, we need to put up 20, 28 points to win this game. Yeah. And, and look, they're not, this is not going to be a team that's going to be in the top half of the league in scoring. They're just not with, with Zach at quarterback. But I, I even think about how, like, I, I feel like it shouldn't be, I don't think it can be overstated how um, good Garrett Wilson has been. Like, I, I feel like his numbers don't even do, like, he had seven catches for 100 yards. Like, just a, I get these tweets a lot. Like imagine him with like a great quarterback because he's getting doubled most plays, I think. And he, he he's not getting much separation because they're glued to him. Um, he had the play where there was defensive pass interference and he still got a catch. Um, like I can't believe he had a hundred yards in that game. It's amazing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm at, I imagine he's frustrated because he knows how many opportunities are out there that he's not getting. 
he's doing a good job of, you know, keeping his mouth shut and that to that degree. Um, he's also the most, he's also like their most provocative, like interview subject after games. Cause he, he was saying stuff like we take this win with a grain of salt because we feel like we let the defense down. Like he's saying all this stuff, him and Brees are standing next to each other saying this. And they're the two guys that like have done their jobs at offense. Um, which is, <laughs> which is like, great. Th- th- yeah. It's a great, it's a great sign of like leadership and all that stuff and maturity. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Keep getting Garrett the ball. They every now and then, like it take they'll they'll do the play where it's just a, a quick Garrett slant, and they don't do it as often as they should. And maybe they're cut. The defense is covering well. I haven't looked closely enough to say that, but get Garrett the ball more. Like seven catches still isn't enough, frankly. Um, you know, we talked all the talk coming out of the bye, and you and I kind of poked fun at this um, about Xavier Gibson is gonna have this huge role. He did get banged up, which is a part of it in the weather and all that stuff, but he played 15, he played less snaps than Malik Taylor. So, um, by a lot, Malik sure. Taylor, and, 23 and yeah. Gibson, 16. Randall Cobb didn't play by the way, because of his uh, shoulder injury and the snaps that normally go to him were kind of spread out among those two. Jason Brownlee played two snaps. So it's not like they were manufacturing Malik Taylor, by the way, he's maybe they should keep playing him because anytime Zach Wilson throws a deep to him, something good happens. He drew a DPI, uh, game winning DPI, yeah, game winning DPI. Um, I, from what I understand, Aaron Rodgers was not the one who called that, um, like the last time. Although Aaron Rodgers was on the headset and he was again an active voice, as I reported last uh, the last game, he he was again. He's like he's basically a coach on game day. He he's he's got it. I was talking to somebody about this. He's got the perfect setup as like an assistant coach in in, in air quotes because he only has to roll in on Saturday. Uh, you know, goes through the walkthrough with them, goes on Sunday, calls some plays, flies back to Malibu. Gets paid thirty five million dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, not bad. It's, it's he p- figured out the perfect formula to be a coach. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I I think they probably could stand add another receiver. I I'm skeptical that they will, because uh, ultimately, if the quarterback can't get them the ball, is it's an issue. But I don't. What whatever works when Zach Wilson is playing, where he turns his mind off, like he does at the end of games, like. I get it. You can't go no huddle all game. Like the Chip Kelly offense doesn't really work in the NFL doing that nonstop, but moving with some tempo. And again, like I've said this every week, like getting him out of the pocket, doing RPOs, like do more than just what they're doing. Cause it's not like you can't, you're not going to survive with the worst third down. I know they're four and three, but you're not going to survive with the worst third down offense in the NFL. Like they, they need to fix that. And Sala can keep saying stuff like, um, we we think it's going to come together, and when it does, it's going to be beautiful. Whatever his quote was today, I tweeted it wasn't that dramatic, but um, he said that a lot this season. And we're in week nine, and they still haven't figured it out. So they, the red zone offense and the third down offense need to get better, or this will not be a playoff team. I'm stating that as a fact. So somehow their third down percentage went down on Sunday. Like I didn't think that was yeah. possible, considering how deeply they were in last. And they, place they got one of them in, in overtime. So if, if they don't make right. it to overtime, then it's even worse than it was. Then it's huh. one one for thirteen or one yeah. for fourteen in regulation, and then yeah, something like that. One and for then, one in overtime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's hard to watch, and and they're literally the broadcast is counting every single one of them. Like that's then that's an zero for eight, zero for nine. Over yeah, 10. and it, it, I mean, I, I think extending back to the Eagles game, I think they had like two at the end of that game that they missed too. So that was like a combo of like like fifteen in a row or something crazy like that. Like that, it's just crazy to think about that they're four. And like, I mean, I, I guess we can go back to the defense now to t- to tie into that. Like the fact that they're four and three is entirely because of the defense and special teams. Like, you can't be four. You can't have four wins and be the worst third down offense in the NFL while averaging like 
what I think they're averaging like 18 points a game. Like you can't, that's not a winning formula and, and they have a winning record. So um, I don't really know what that means. It's kind of unprecedented. I'm going to dig into that for a story I'm doing for like next, uh, before the Chargers game, just like all the issues they have there and kind of the history of teams that have been this bad on third down. I can't imagine it's a very rich history, but um, they're kind of playing a very old school style football that they used to play before they even wore pads, which is they just, you just run the ball and it gets ugly and nobody scores much. And you just hope that you win at the end of it, you get out of there alive. And they haven't really gotten out of there alive because they lose somebody every time they win. You know, you kind of, you kind of joked, I think it was on Twitter. You like, a, they have like four wins and three Achilles. Stairs three Achilles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the, the, I mean, actually haven't really gotten into the injuries that much uh, yet. That's but, next on my rundown yeah. here, Zach. Yeah. So we actually, you can do that now. Uh, by the way, the defense, I mean, they, in my mind, when you look at, they nearly played the perfect game. Now they were helped by DeVito and the play calling, obviously yeah. not even having to worry about passes is, is, is a nice place to be. But other than the Jermaine penalty, which led yeah. to the touchdown, I mean, the field goal early was because of the short field, the turnover. Yep. And then they basically didn't allow anything the whole game. And they wouldn't, they would have maybe a lot of Tommy DeVito a field goal there. So a lot of Tommy DeVito rushing touchdown to be fair. Because of a penalty. Yeah. 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 yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, it would have been no touchdowns, six points, and they were just tremendous. Sorry. I'll I'll shout out a few uh, individual guys real quick on defense. Um, Bryce Huff in another good game. Jermaine Johnson outside of his penalty. Uh, I think he had two QB hits. I think, did he have two sacks? I can't remember. I think he had two Um, sacks. Uh, Quincy Williams, I think he had 10 stops, which PFF defines as like a failure for the offense. Um, trying to think anybody else. Uh, I mean, the corners didn't really get much work, but if you look at their coverage numbers, they were obviously pretty good because they weren't really. Um, Sauce had a comment about the Jalen Hyatt thing after the game, about how like they were ready to enshrine him for supposedly beating him in the preseason or whatever, and then it didn't happen. <laughs> um, and uh, Quentin Jefferson, he's been pretty solid as a pass rusher. They're going to need more of him. Um, yeah, the half sack, yeah. Yeah, and C.J. Mosley, again, I think he's kind of like become underrated because I think fans always focus on the money with him, but I, I think he's a stud, and I don't think they would be where they are without C.J. Mosley. So, Yeah, Mosley had the other half sack there. Jermaine Johnson did have two sacks, uh, two, yeah. and Bryce had one. Yeah. Um, most of that stuff was actually on when, ta- when Taylor, Taylor was going earlier yeah. in the game because they were actually dropping back to pass. Uh, all right, let's get to the injuries. Um, Al Woods done for the year, obviously the Achilles. Um, there, it's a position of strength. I feel like you know you don't you don't want anybody to be missing for the season. But compared to the the injuries on the other side of the ball, they'll be able to withstand the Al Woods injury. Yeah, I, I mean he was key as like a run stopper. I, he, I don't think he's been like amazing or anything, and he was a healthy scratch one week. But he was they have four defensive tackles, and he was one of them. So. You know, they'll fill that either by calling up like Tanzel Smart from the practice squad or, I don't know, you could pick up somebody for cheap maybe in a trade, but maybe you start using JFM more inside and maybe that's a reason why you keep Carl Lawson around. I don't know, but I, it's not like a deathly blow. It's not an ideal one. Um, and you feel bad for Al because that might be the end of his career. He's going to be 37 and it's a little different than a quarterback. He's a defensive tackle who, you know, has a lot of weight on that Achilles, so. I don't know if his career has much left. Um, so, yeah, they they lose him. Um, I imagine they'll call up. They have Tanzel Smart and Marquis Spencer on the practice squad. So either they call one of them up or you find a veteran either in free agency or in a trade. But, yeah, I think the offensive line is obviously the bigger deal. 
Yeah, so the Connor McGovern goes down first. That's a dislocated kneecap. Uh, may not need surgery, but he's on the IR. And then Wes Schweitzer, uh, same thing to the IR for him. They lose both centers, and they ended up with in the, within the same Newman. quarter. Yeah, yeah, in the second quarter, Xavier Newman comes in, uh, fumbles the first one. Well, the the exchange was fumbled. The yeah. second one almost goes over Zach's head. But then from there, they had no issues with the snap. Um, but man, that's a it's a tough spot to be in if you're Xavier Newman, who was signed to the practice squad this month, yeah, uh, for the Jets and to be thrown in there. So I actually, you know, he did okay considering all of that. I mean, they had a hard time with Dexter Lawrence, but that was an impossible spot for that interior to be in yeah. because you look at you know, you mentioned first Connor McGovern goes down, so you have to take Rex Schweitzer from right guard, move him to center, and you plug in Xavier Newman, who Frankly, before it was another, not Craig James, I knew him. It was another Tay Hay situation where I was like, I'm not entirely sure who this is. Like, I, I, I was aware he was on the practice squad just because I wrote down all their, all the guys they had a guard on the roster before this game, but um, didn't really know much about his background other than he was with the Titans previously. But um, I, then, then Wes Schweitzer goes down, uh, goes straight to the locker room, which is never good. And they, so they move Xavier Newman over to center. And they plug Billy Turner in at right guard. So, like, I, I literally tweeted um, that I've learned covering the Jets that every week you're going to see some shit that you've never seen before. And that's, like, I've never seen a team have to do what they did at center. We saw Lakin Tomlinson on the sideline practicing snaps just in case. After the um, fumble, yeah. Like, like Zach, Zach Wilson said that, you know, Xavier, like, to his credit, when this wound up being, like, a huge moment, obviously, which we alluded to earlier, like, Xavier Newman before that last drive was like, so, like, what's the cadence if we have to spike it? Um, which is a very important thing, like the timing, the cadence, like getting to the right spot. Like this guy has practice at center, I think, to a degree. And he he told me that he played in the preseason a little at center for the Titans, but um, never in a game like this situation. So like in Zach Wilson's like, that's a sign that we hadn't really practiced that together. So like a center and a quarterback timing is everything. And so that's why you saw some issues there. But yeah, Dexter Lawrence had 15 pressures, which I don't think I've ever heard of a guy having that many in one game. And again, it's like you can't. Yeah, we like thought claim. Micah Parsons made this line look bad, but yeah, De- Dexter was wrecking havoc. And Kayvon Thibodeau had three sacks, including a strip sack around Makai Becton. Seems like Makai every game, he has like early in the game, he'll have like a big mess up like that. And then he, you kind of don't hear from the rest of the game, which, you know, one mistake I guess you'll take. I, that was a brutal one in a brutal spot. But um, yeah, I mean, the offensive line, as always, is a concern. Like in, I wrote about it today. I wrote it this morning and it was published at like noon um, or like one, but uh, there are options on the O-line. So I think there's some optimism that Joe Tittman could return. I don't know if that would be this week or the week after that would be a huge, huge boon, obviously. And you plug him in at center and you figure it out at right guard, whether it's Newman or Billy Turnite. probably will be Newman at this point. He has a little more time to practice, but I, I don't know that for sure. Um, Dwayne Brown is a factor. I, I don't know that he'd be ready to play right away, even if he was activated, but that's going to be a fascinating thing to me to see what they do with him. Do you do you t- put him in a left tackle and move Makai Beckton to probably earn that job? Or do you put Dwayne at a position he's ever played, like right tackle or right guard? I don't really have an obvious answer or know what he's willing to do. I do think the Jets think he's one of their best five linemen. So that's going to be, you know, Jason Peters is kind of the precedent for somebody like that. He played left primary left tackle for the first like 14 years of his career. And then in the latter stages to stay around, he's played at like left guard and right guard. So I know it's not an easy transition, but Dwayne's a smart guy. So that might, I don't know. You might 
believe in him more at right guard than a Billy Turner or a, or a Xavier Newman. I don't know though. Um, but yeah, these are the conversations they're going to be having. McGovern and Schweitzer are both on IR. I, they'll be out at least four weeks, and I don't really know how much soon after that they'd come back. I think McGovern, it seems like they, they feel better about, but I think they're still trying to figure out how serious his kneecap injury is. Um, it's a tough for him. He's been pretty – for all the crap he gets from Jets fans, he's been very durable. I don't think he's missed a start. Uh, and it's, Other than maybe for COVID, I can't remember, for uh, since he's been with the Jets. So, you know, this is just – two years in a row of like the worst luck I've ever seen on the offensive line. The giants have had bad luck too, but you had last year with every single offensive tackle going down. And now this year you've already lost Dwayne Brown. You've lost Connor McGovern. You lost Elijah Vera Tucker. You lost Joe Tippman. Uh, you lost Wes Schweitzer. That's five linemen. I just named right there that are all starting caliber guys. <laughs> like for all the criticism you want to give Joe Douglas, like that's impossible. You're not supposed to have a third string center ready to go like that. Criticizing Joe for the depth, like, I, you can criticize him for having older players like like Dwayne Brown, but you can't plan for Elijah Vera Tucker and Joe Tipman to get hurt. So um, it's like it's wild, and it's going to be the thing that holds back this offense even more than Zach Wilson if they don't get better because they, they were showing signs of life as we've talked about. But um, yeah, I don't know. Some Joe Brennan just asked about if there's any chance of a Ben Jones signing. I, a lot of a lot, lot of Ben that. Jones chat. Yeah, yeah. And- I've seen seen a lot of that, and it makes sense to me, but. For whatever reason, he hasn't signed with anybody. I don't know if he was still hurt from last year. He's older, and I don't get the sense that they're going to sign him. I do think they think Joe Tittman's coming back soon. And if you think that Joe Tittman's coming back soon, there's no really point of signing Ben Jones probably. Um, But I do think they need to sign somebody, whether it's off a practice squad or something like that. Um, You know, there's there's some guys on on other teams that they could sign off a practice squad or free agents like uh, um, Lel Collins is a popular one that fans are always bringing up. Jess probably would have signed him by now if they really wanted to. Uh, I wrote down a few names in my story that are on practice squads. There's Billy Price on the Cowboys. He's been a starter in the league at center. Um, James Ferentz on the Patriots. It would be fun to steal somebody from the Patriots, I feel like, for the Jets. Um, but to disrupt Robert Sala's point today on the trade market, there's, everybody needs offensive linemen. <laughs> like you saw that the, the Giants' offensive line was really bad too. Like th- those are two of the worst ones. Uh, Washington has a terrible offensive line. Like these are, there's, most teams have bad offensive lines outside of like the Eagles and the Chiefs and, you know, maybe another team or two. Like there's just not many good offensive lines. So teams aren't really itching to get rid of linemen unless they're tanking. And so I, I think I was going through the athletic does a lot of trade deadline coverage, which you should all check out, obviously. Um, and some of the names that I've seen thrown around by the other beat writers, there's like Cody Whitehair on the Bears, but he's making like a lot of money. Um, who's the other one I just wrote down? Uh, Joseph Nopum on the Rams. He's tackle guard. I think he's kind of fallen out of the rotation. But Jets don't have a lot of cap space or draft capital, so I, I, don't, I don't see them making a huge splash. But if there's somebody out there to add for depth, then I'm sure Joe Douglas is working the phones to find it. I just don't think there's a great solution. So, someone else just mentioned Carter Warren. He He's a rookie. Uh, can't play guard, so there's not really a spot for him. Max Mitchell did practice at guard leading, uh, before Dwayne Brown got hurt, Keith Carter told us which is interesting at the very least. And maybe that would factor in the Dwayne Brown thing, if you can play him at right guard. But anyway, as you can see, it's the only solutions are shuffling guys to business. They never played like that's just kind of the spot the jets are in. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not a great spot. How about trading for other positions outside the offensive line? Do you see them making any moves? Or the, the last thing, I guess, mixed in with that is like trading something away. Um, yeah. Carl Lawson, not active on Sunday. Cook, very limited role again. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I still lean towards them, then towards nothing happening. But Carl Lawson being inactive did, you know, did so- sound an alarm for me because usually if you're trying to trade a guy, you don't play him right before it because you're risking him get hurt. At the same time, they, Will McDonald plays a role in special teams, so I kind of see why Carl Lawson doesn't have a role. Ultimately, I don't know. I would trade him if I can, but if if you're just getting a six round pick, like I get also not moving him. And you know, as you saw with Denzel Mims last year, that was kind of like why they didn't trade him because they needed him eventually, and then it worked out. So, um, if they're going to trade either of them, I would guess Carl Lawson. I, I saw Jake Laser reported that the Jets have been getting more calls on Michael Carter than Dalvin Cook, which is interesting. Uh, and if they traded Dalvin, uh, Michael Carter away, then that would open up Izzy, Izzy, free who is, Izzy, who's still a healthy scratch. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I would trade for a receiver would be the main thing I would do, and I would you know trade away Dalvin Cook if you could. But um, I don't know that either of those things are going to happen. So it might be a boring trade deadline tomorrow. We're going to talk to Joe Douglas at four fifteen. Um, I'm sure we'll cover a lot of big picture things since they might not do anything, but. He's, he's certainly trade for a right Pro now. Bowl quarterback. We will have an emergency episode. I will say two two non Jets or loosely tied to Jets uh, trade deadlines. So Leonard Williams has just traded today. Yeah, uh, second time in the contract year at the deadline traded. Uh, the Giants actually got more than the Jets did, but the Giants have to pay off some of this contract. I think it was it was it's like uh, however many years to the day when that trade happened uh, last time. But I mean, the other thing was the Packers just signed Rashawn Gary to a huge Neal deal, and He's he was limited at the beginning of the season, but his numbers and his snap counts are pretty close to Bryce Huff, and Bryce Huff has gotten more pressure. So it's just something to keep in mind for the con- pay Bryce Huff crowd. I, I think his price is only going up with each passing week. I know. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, it's tough to do it during the season, but yeah. Man. And he had a uh, did uh, you wouldn't have, but they did a at CBS. They had a uh, an interview before the game with him, and he was charming to go along with uh, all the talent. So he, yeah, he's, really <laughs> um, he's, there's reason to love him. He's, he's a fan favorite for a reason. He's, he's an easy guy to like, and he's obviously continues to get it done on the field. And he's going to be more and more expensive. Um, anything else before we say goodbye? Do we miss anything? Well, Any more I, questions. Ha- from ha- the- Halloween is tomorrow. Um, so I feel like I should just address, I feel like I maybe did last year. I just want to let everybody know that I am pro candy corn and, I know it's a controversial. I'm pro opinion. candy corn. I oh, can, you are I can too. get on that bandwagon. Yeah. Well, people either hate it or they love it. So yeah. I uh I mean it's I just to put it sugar. Out there. 
yeah. Oh, it's pure sugar, but I love it. And they had some in the press box yesterday, which I appreciated. I've tried, I've, I have a very bad sweet tooth and I've really cut back on sugar, but um, my girlfriend and I are both candy corn fans. Maybe that's why we're meant for each other. I don't know. Um, but what's your um, go to Halloween candy? Well, my favorite candy in general is Reese's peanut butter cups, but we, yeah. I was talking about this with Samantha, like when we used to trick or treat when we were younger, the ones you'd be most excited about. I always really liked those, like those little Twizzler, Twizzler packs. It'd be like the two, the two Twizzler and like you'd rip open the plastic pack. And it's like the little two little ones. I was like little boxes of nerds um, and like Swedish fish and sour patch kids, like all, gum, gummies for sure. And then like Reese's peanut butter cups were always my favorite. I've, I've never been Pick a big, Kit, I've never been a big Kit Kat guy. They're like, okay. And I've never liked particularly Snickers. I think maybe that's controversial. Ooh, but. Yeah, that is controversial. I mean, Reese is my favorite too, but the thing is like on Halloween now you get yeah, the, chocolate the little bite-sized Reese's. Yeah. But if you can manage, if somebody's giving out like the single, not the double, but the single, but the full size Reese's, mm. that's a big get. Oh, anytime there was, a, anytime there's a house the that does like, anytime there's a house that does like the adult size candy or whatever, it was always the popular oh, one. Yeah. Um, are you are you guys dressing up for Halloween? I do. You've seen it, right? Didn't I? I know. I wasn't pictures? sure. I wasn't sure if you were okay. going to do it again on Tuesday. Or I not. yeah. We, no, we are. Um, I think there's a there's a few streets. Um, up this way that kind of like let you do like trick-or-treating right in the city it's weird trick-or-treating there's huge buildings where you can actually trick-or-treat in the building door-to-door if you live there we don't live in one of those Mm. um but we went yeah we were we won the family competition i should have had the picture ready to show yeah yeah uh over the weekend you guys look very cute yeah there Um, was this neighborhood event where they gave out they gave out awards and we won first prize for the family we did the uh if you give a mouse a cookie, uh, so and yeah. Ailey was the mouse, and I, th- my wife Mandy did all the, <laughs> the work in course, making yeah. her look like the perfect mouse with the overalls and everything. Oh, it was great. And then Mandy went as the cookie, and I was a milk carton. And, Mar- and Mar- Marissa and Michael had some good Halloween stuff going on too. She was sending us some photos. Yeah, Wizard of Oz. Movie. Yeah. Um, yep. I am not dressing up. Um, I don't really dress up these days. I don't have a kid to dress up with, so less motivation for me. But we might go I to hate- our. Okay. I was gonna say, well, first of all, I should say I'm getting a lot of crap for my candy opinions in here. I like almost all candy, <laughs> I should say. I just I'm not a huge fan of Snickers. I would say I love Twix, I love Reese's, like all those little chocolate bars, Three Musketeers, Milky Way, those are all good. So it's not like I hate everything. And somebody said candy corn tastes like uh, a candle. I, I think you're wrong. So that's just what I'm saying. See, some people get candy corn when it's like past its prime, and then it, it's terrible. But if you get if you get fresh candy corn. <laughs> See, Samantha's weird and she yeah. likes stale candy too. She thinks it she likes the taste of stale candy. So she's yeah. weird though. So okay. <laughs> um, I can't remember what I what I was going to uh I don't know. There's something Halloween. about the candy. Halloween. I don't know. Anyway, I think we've <laughs> I mean look, look how lame I am. I'm I'm eating like low sugar candy because I have a, I'm like addicted go. to sugar. So Oh I know. I was I was gonna say I hated Halloween growing up. I can never come up with like a good costume, but like having uh, a young having a young kid like it changes it all suddenly it's like a lot of fun especially when i feel like um i don't have to come up with a costume mm. so i just have to play along and then it's one, one of my best costumes was in college I, I dressed up as a a box of wine and i had like the the actual like bag like uh at the bottom and there was i had a spout coming out so people were drinking wine out of my costume that's <laughs> pretty solid. popular yeah that was pretty good <laughs> how much wine it was like a full box of wine so like it was a box like, of wine yeah, so there's like a decent amount in there, and there's a lot of there were photos of people like 
positioning themselves in an awkward spot, uh, frankly, <laughs> to, to drink out of my spout. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. That with that, we will say goodbye <laughs> for this episode of Can't Wait. We'll be back later this week to preview week nine in the NFL. The Jets are four and three. They're right in the thick of things, but they're going to have to play better than they did in Sunday's ugly ugly win over the Giants. Thanks for checking us out on the Can't Wait podcast. We will talk to everybody soon.